All right, good morning, everybody. As Alan said, my name's CJ, and uh, I grew up here in Pella, and so there weren't many places that I didn't really feel like I belonged or that I understood, you know? My family's all from Pella. I'm mostly Dutch, and everybody, for the most part, looked like me, and their last names kind of sounded like mine, too. But after college, I moved to Southern California, and that all changed drastically and quickly. And I moved there to be an intern at a church, and one of the very first jobs I got was to go do a house blessing for a family that was a part of our noon service, which was our most diverse service. And I'll never remember, I drove over to Downey to the Apostle family's home, had no idea what to expect, go up, knock on the door, and they open the door, and the place is just packed to the gills with people, and not a single one of them looks like me. And the food is piled high everywhere. I mean, they just moved in, so it's on boxes, it's on chairs, it's on folding tables, and at the center of it is a roasted pig on a bed of rice with eyeballs staring right up at me. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not in Pella anymore. And then Engel and Joy proceed to say, CJ, uh, would you pray over the food and do the house blessing now? Okay, great. So I, I, want, I do the best that I can. You know, I'm an intern. I, I, got, I, I know next to nothing, but I pray as best I can, and they're translating into Tagalog for their family. And I get done, and they're like, great, amen, that's awesome. Here's a bunch of food, shove it in my face, a true Filipino welcome, and we were off to the races. And I'll never remember that, or never forget that, I should say because of the way that I felt radically welcomed and loved inclusively into their family like that. Didn't matter that I was the new kid on the block that didn't look like them, that didn't act like them, that didn't speak like them, that didn't eat like them. I was a part of their family for that day. And today we're gonna talk about hospitality. And what does that look like to be people who inclusively love others and radically welcome others in the name of Jesus. And I have four words that I think biblical, or four ideas that I think biblical hospitality includes. And these are the words for, or ideas for you to remember today before we launch into the scriptures. Biblical hospitality and, and the way of Jesus is, it's inconvenient. Now I know that's not a word, but stick with me, okay? We're going with uns today. So it's inconvenient, it's unassuming and unprepared, it's unjudgmental, and it's unknown and uncomfortable, okay? So our scripture passage today is from 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 9, and it reads like this. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So, this passage is, is short and sweet, and it includes really two direct commands to us. Love each other deeply and offer hospitality and offer it without grumbling. So what I want us today to leave with is the sense that this is a call for us, but this is a lifestyle that we're being invited to, not just this year, but in the way we follow Jesus as disciples, to radical hospitality and loving like he did. And I want us to leave also with the sense that this is doable, that every one of us is called and can be a hospitable person, every one of us. And it will look differently for each of us, but all of us can follow Jesus in this way. And I feel like the best place to always start 
when we're talking about what's biblical and what does it look like to be hospitable is with Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus is a good place to start. Now, Jesus never directly discusses hospitality, but Jesus does talk a lot about loving your neighbors, loving your neighbors as yourself. And one of Jesus's most famous stories, parables, and teachings on loving your neighbors is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, many of you have maybe heard of it, some of you haven't, so for everyone, I'm gonna give a quick refresher. There's a traveler. He's been beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the side of the road. And it seems that there is great news on the horizon because Pastor CJ is coming down the road at the Good Samaritan, a priest. And he sees the traveler beaten, robbed, left for dead. And he goes to the other side of the road and he passes on his way and ignores him. But lo and behold, there is a worship leader, Alan, a Levite. He's coming down the road and he sees this Jewish man left for dead. But he says, I ain't got time for that. He goes to the other side of the road and he's on his way. Last but certainly not least, there's a bad dude from the other side of the tracks, a Samaritan. And he comes down and he sees the man and he helps him, he gets him to a hotel, he gets some medicine, food, pays for it all on his own dime and says, I'm coming back tomorrow to sell any debts. Now that's the story of loving your neighbor. Jesus says, if you wanna know what it looks like to love your neighbor, it's that. So what does it show us then about what we're supposed to do when we're practicing hospitality? Well, I think it shows us that it's meant to be inconvenient when we love our neighbors. It's inconvenient. It was inconvenient for the Samaritan to stop everything he was doing, mess with his schedule, pay money out of his own pocket, and love this guy and make an effort to do so. And it's the same call that we have today. And so I want to be clear today that hospitality, it's not something that many of us practice. It's not Midwest nice. Midwest nice is great. I mean, you all say hi to us as we walk down the street. My wife is still a bit unnerved by it all, thinks you guys are trying to sell her something, being from California. But everybody says hi, lots of doors held open, but hospitality is not Midwest nice. Because Midwest nice is just in your day trying to do the right thing, I guess, as a part of your schedule. Loving like Jesus is making an effort, getting and breaking up your schedule and costing you time and money in order to love your neighbor as yourself. It's inconvenient. What else does Jesus show us though about what it looks like to practice this radical hospitality? Well, Jesus himself experiences hospitality. He seeks out hospitality in Luke 19. And he does so from an unlikely source. So of those of you who maybe don't know or you wanna follow along, Luke 19, story of a guy named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus, He's in trouble. He's not Dutch. He's a short dude. And he wants to see Jesus, and there is a crowd of people. But he is resourceful like Dutch people, and he says, you know what, if I climb that sycamore tree, I might be able to see Jesus. So he does, and Jesus is walking down the road, and an amazing thing happens. Not only does Zacchaeus see Jesus, but Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And then Jesus does something pretty crazy. He says to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. He's kind of putting some forced hospitality, you might say, on Zacchaeus. Now this is both great news and terrible news for Zacchaeus, and here's why. 
The great news is he's not, he's been trying to see Jesus and now he's gonna have a meal with Jesus. Like, whoa, he just got raised to the thousands level of what he was hoping to experience. But there's terrible news too. See, Zacchaeus, he's a zero friends dude. He's a tax collector and he's been taking everybody's money and cheating them out of their money. And so his house probably hadn't seen visitors in a long, long time. And so I imagine that Zacchaeus might have been thinking when Jesus says, I got to be at your house today, he might have been thinking, there are dirty dishes and there's dirty laundry in the entryway and I have not cleaned the bathroom. And if his bachelor pad is anything like mine used to be, that was just the start of the list. (laughs) But Jesus says, I want to be at that house today. And what does that show us? That in Jesus' eyes, when we are called to practice hospitality, it can be unassuming and unprepared, and that is okay. That is great in the eyes of Jesus. So today I wanna say, you know, there are some people with a, with a true gift to prepare a place, amazing decorations, ambiance, theme, food, platters, all of that. And that is certainly a part of being hospitable, but also, God bless paper plates and store-bought cookies and watery lemonade and a dirty house that people walk into because we all live in them, everybody, every day. And we all got dirty diapers and dirty dishes and dirty clothes and none of us have had the time to clean it up. So Jesus says, that's okay. I wanna be at that house. As long as you will welcome me, it is okay. So collectively today, as you think about practicing hospitality, take the weight off your shoulders that when you have people over or when you go to meet with somebody, because maybe it's not at your house when you practice hospitality, that you do not have to have it all together. In fact, many times it's a whole lot more comforting going to somebody's house that doesn't have it together, if you know what I'm saying. And if you're welcomed and loved in the name of Jesus, you're in the right spot. The other thing about this story with Zacchaeus that sticks out to me, though, is how people respond to this idea that Jesus wants to be at that house today. Because when the people hear Jesus wants to go hang out with his tax collector, they say, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. In other words, what business does this guy have with this crook? And you know what's amazing about this story with Zacchaeus is he changes his mind. He says, you know what? I'm so glad you guys judged this guy off the top of the bat. I really, I shouldn't go to his house. He's a bad dude. He's been bad to you guys. And so, you know what? I'm not going there anymore. It reminds me of another story of Jesus, actually, when a woman who has been a bad sinner, probably a prostitute, he's been welcomed into the home of a Pharisee, and she starts crying on his feet and wiping her, her, his feet with her, her hair and pouring perfume on him. And then the Pharisee who welcomed Jesus into his house says, what are you doing with the sinner? And Jesus says, you're right. I should have judged her right off the bat. She's a bad gal. Let's toss her out and then we can have a real party here, right? Of course not. Jesus welcomes people wherever they're at. And he says, I love you and you're welcome at my table. And the people that we hold up as the greatest examples that we're trying to follow, the disciples, Jesus sat around a table with them on his last night and they were gonna betray him and turn their backs on him. And he knew that, and he still said, you got a place at my table. 
See, Jesus, his hospitality, it is unjudgmental. And that is key for us today, and here's why. Because in a recent survey of people in America, they were asked to describe Christians. And the three top descriptors of Christians were judgmental, hypocritical, and prideful. Judgmental, hypocritical, and prideful. So somewhere along the lines, we, we've lost the plot. Because what we're known for to people is the opposite of the way Jesus welcomed people. And I think that there's a narrative out there that has been perpetuated maybe within the church, maybe outside of the church, that the best way to deal with people when they're broken or they're different than us, they don't live like us, they maybe don't live like Jesus, is that best case scenario is to stay away from them because they might mess up the way I'm living or my family's living. Hopefully they'll hear about what they're doing wrong, they'll get their act together, and they'll come to meet Jesus. And it just doesn't strike me as the way Jesus approaches people when they're broken. In John 8, there's a woman who's caught in adultery. And the Pharisees, who are all the people who are saying, are people following the rules or not? Are they living the right way, Jesus, or not? They bring her before Jesus and they say, Jesus, this woman, she is, she's not doing it right. She's not doing it right. And she's a threat to our community because she's not doing it right. What should we do? And Jesus, how does he respond to that? If you haven't sinned, go ahead. Toss a stone. And not one of them is left. And then Jesus follows that up and says, is there anybody left? Then neither do I condemn you. Grace. Jesus starts every encounter with every person with grace. You're welcome. You're loved. You are included with me. No matter the way everybody else has made you feel like you're maybe an outsider, it's okay with me. It's grace. And I just want to push a little bit today and ask us, how do we approach people in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives that are different than us, that have different lifestyles than us, that look different than us? Do we see them as threats, threats to our lifestyle and our family? Or do we see them as people that Jesus loves and welcomes with grace and says, come, be a part of the family? I bet, I bet you'll change. I bet you'll see how good this is, but I want to start with grace, 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 grace. He doesn't leave it there. He ends the conversation with the woman and says, leave your life of sin. But he starts with grace. And I'm afraid that, that I've been a person, because I'm a part of that, that survey, that people see as judgmental and hypocritical and prideful because I got it together and get it together before you're in the group, rather than you're included. And the way you live, it's not... The thing that always floors me about it is we should be the least threatened people about how much we're loved and how much our kids are loved. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. I didn't hear an exception in that list. And so no person, no idea, not, that's not a threat to us. They are someone who Jesus loves and made and wants them to know it. So I got to keep dropping my pretenses because I tell you what, the news comes at me fast. The world comes at me fast. And what it tells me is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of threats out there to my life, to my bank account, to my worldview. There's a lot, there's a lot that's wrong. And don't get me wrong, there is. But Jesus is bigger than any of that. And his love is bigger than any of that. And his welcome is for everyone. He sat at a table with Judas and he said, you're welcome here at the table. And he knew he was gonna have to go to the cross for him and for us. And he said, you're welcome at the table. So as we think about hospitality, I wanna push this morning and say, it is unjudgmental. It is saying, you are included in the love of Jesus. You are radically welcomed in the love of Jesus. No matter your background, no matter where you're from, you're welcome. You're welcome at my table, whether it's in my home, it's at the coffee shop, it's getting a drink, it's walking around the park, whatever it is, you're welcome with me and you're safe with me because I know I'm safe. I'm in the arms of Jesus. This point pushes me to the last point today, which is that it's for people who are unknown and it might be uncomfortable. The word here in 1 Peter is offer hospitality. The Greek word there is philoxenos. So philo being love. You've maybe heard of the city Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. Well, philoxenos is the love of the stranger, right? We've heard of xenophobic being afraid of the foreigner, afraid of the other. Hospitality biblically is the exact opposite of that. It is love and kindness and welcome of the stranger, welcome of the enemy, welcome of the unknown. Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, which we're gonna study this fall. Great transition, CJ, that was great. We're gonna study it this fall. Um, Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your, neighbor, or love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And he goes on, he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Don't even the tax collectors do that? And if you pray for those who pray for you, aren't even the pagans doing that? What Jesus says is, everybody welcomes and loves people that they know that are their friends. To be my disciples means that you're loving and you're welcoming people that you don't know, that are unfamiliar to you. And I know that today that might be uh, challenging because it's a small town and sometimes it feels like you know everybody, but I would encourage you to just think about how can you remain open to others and open to people that you don't even know as well, you know, maybe that's a place to start with a stranger. I don't know this person as well as I know some other people. And actually, we're gonna put it into practice today. We're gonna get started 
getting to know people that are unknown, and it's gonna be a little bit uncomfortable and inconvenient here, but remember, unjudgmental. So I'm gonna put four questions up on the screen right now, and they're easy questions. What's your name? How long have you been coming to third? Why'd you first come here? What'd you do this weekend? And if you have time and you get to the last one, has there been a sermon, a scripture, a book, a movie, a friend, a stranger, something that has encouraged you in your faith lately? But I want what us to do right now, I'm gonna push everybody. I want everybody to stand up, and I'm right now, and you're gonna find somebody in the service you don't know. Like, if you know everybody in the service, like you're Tom Lenny, find the person you know the least, the least in the service. I want you to go find somebody right now, and we're gonna give you five minutes to get to know somebody new, radically love and welcome them in Jesus' name. Three, two, one, go. All right, all right, was that, I mean, I know it was a little inconvenient and maybe hopefully it was somebody unknown to you. It didn't seem too uncomfortable for all of you. You guys did pretty good, but that, this is what I think it's all about. Finding people you don't know, finding people you don't know well and get to know them. And I think the best place to start is here and then to take this and catapult it outwards. So I know I've been doing a lot of teaching, so I wanna give some action steps and some, some thoughts for you guys uh, before, before we go. Um, and I'll start with this, that friendship folder or friendship register, I don't know what exactly we're calling it. Make sure it gets passed down your row. There are clipboards at the end. If you got one, hold it up. Maybe it's already made its way down. Pass it down. We've been doing it the past three weeks. Make sure it gets passed down. On there, there are three opportunities and maybe you've already passed it down, but I'm gonna make you rethink about checking one of those boxes. Okay, the first one on there is join the hospitality team or share a meal. So I gotta tell you, I think that having a great hospitality team and welcome team can make the world of difference. So I got to be a part of this church in California and in their DNA was what I call aggressive welcoming, aggressive welcoming. So um, on Sunday mornings, we had what we affectionately called the gauntlet that people would have to run or not run, but get through the gauntlet to just get to the church of greeters, okay? By the time you sat down in your seat, you would have been greeted and shaken hands with a minimum of, of 10 to 12 people running the gauntlet at Emmanuel. And these are introverts, extroverts, people that remember names every week, people that don't remember names. And um, I, I kid you not, we actually got a Yelp review, a one-star Yelp review that said, this has to be the most oddest church. The people all want to know you. The crazy pastor was chasing me down because he saw that I was new. Screw that, I ain't into no stalker behavior. <laughs> One star, Emmanuel Church. Upsetting people for being too welcoming should potentially be on our target list, I think, here at Third Reformed Church. Just saying, join the hospitality team. Um, and. I think you can welcome people in Jesus' names. And you know what? Get creative. That's the thing I want to say today too. Hospitality, a lot of us think, you know, I have to be on the greeter team. I have to be outgoing. There's a lot of different ways to do this. Um, Beth, forgive me if you've heard this story before, but uh, Bethany's uh, pastor growing up was actually Pastor Kevin's dad and Clayton's grandpa, Pastor Harold. And he came to church on Sunday with his suit pockets loaded to the gills with Starbursts. Like, a bulges is what Bethany would say of starburst. And every kid in the church knew, I'm going to Pastor Harold and I'm getting a starburst. 
Sunday morning. So that was his way of welcoming and making the kids feel welcome. There, there are two guys at our church from very different backgrounds, like one straight-laced kind of gentleman, another guy kind of streets of the community, and they played a version of arm guns. So it's the most ludicrous thing, but whoever had their arm gun pointed at the other person before they had seen it that Sunday won. And I, I, this was like the Super Bowl every week to these two guys of who was gonna win. And just watching it made me feel welcome. And I wasn't even in the mix, right? But I think creating a culture and a community that says, you're welcome, that spills out of the sanctuary and out of the auditorium and wherever, um, I'd encourage you to join the hospitality team. Also, maybe sign up because you wanna share a meal. So young adults or college students, maybe you're back now. Uh, sign up to share a meal, you can do so online. I'm a little bit out of the loop, so I don't know where exactly, but find me after the service. If all else fails, we'll get you on a list because that means church, get your kitchens ready, get ready. You're going to start making some meals for some college students, some young adults, maybe for somebody else, share a meal. Number two, join a text group. I think joining a text group is actually a sign of welcome and hospitality. And here's why. When you join a text group and when you're a part of it, at least the one that I was a part of, it was with people that were different than me different backgrounds, kind of different, different things. And it was a way for me to see how the scripture spoke to them in a different way than it spoke to me. And I actually have been a part of a text group for a while with some guys back at my church in um, California. And I've, I've seen it change who I am and I've seen it change other people's lives by just getting to share life and share scripture together through the text group. So. I got one story that I'll share in his name. Um, we'll call him Johnny. So Johnny um, kind of was floating around the church. He got in our text group and Johnny had a painful kind of past. He had some trauma and some things that weren't great. Some of his uh, closest friends um, had taken their own lives. And he, start, he joined our text group and he started to first off, just be there and see us kind of texting our scriptures each day and our different you know, ways of seeing it. And then he starts joining in and, and Johnny read the Bible in a way that I've never read it before. And what a gift that was to me. And a lot of the other people read the Bible and saw Jesus in a different way than I had ever seen him before too. And what a gift to me. And so I'd encourage you to get in one of these text groups because it's wonderfully eye-opening to read the Bible together with people that aren't like you and to see how Jesus meets them and loves them. And I think affirming that and being a part of that together is a part, can be a part of radical hospitality and inclusive welcome. And the last thing is to join the worship team or the tech team. Um, yeah, that's right. Alan, he, he's a lonely man up here this morning. He's a, he's a jack of all trades, you know, he's a MacGyver, he's doing it all this morning. But I know I'm not the only one. Yeah, give him a hand, that's right. I know I'm not the only one who has come to church here and not known what to expect and maybe not even been ready and Jesus met me in the praise and whoop, my mornings flipped. And that's because people are willing to come in and practice and play and that's a part of welcoming every single one of us to the table with Jesus each week, right? And the blessed sound and tech team, the only time you guys ever notice them are when something goes wrong. So when everything goes right, they're, they're, it's, it's seamless, right? So thank Jesus for them and 
You guys can do it, I know. So anyways, join one of those. And if you don't wanna join any of those, if I haven't convinced you, that's totally fine. There are still opportunities coming and um, I encourage you with the coffee time, go down. I've heard there's 1,200 donuts. Um, so I, what I heard specifically is there's supposed to be enough donuts that nobody has to split a donut. Kids, you hear me? <laughs> nobody has to split a donut. Um, so go down to coffee time. There's also a, a wall, a display outside the sanctuary with all the yeses that we've kind of said and, um, just some, and then a lot of the discipleship opportunities. So mingle outside here, mingle down there, walk around. It's going to be great. Um, but I'm going to close with, with a story and hopefully it'll help encourage you. Um, so about a year or so into interning at this church in California, um, uh, you know, I, I was around a lot of people that um, didn't look like me, different ages than me. And my natural reaction was, well, I should kind of morph and mold myself to be like the people that I'm around each time I'm around them, because that'll make them feel comfortable. And my pastor noticed this and he pulled me um, into his office one day and he, he just said to me, CJ, people want to be around you. They want you to be you when you're around them. That's what will actually make people in our church feel the most welcome is when you are you. And then he said to me, you are the gift, CJ. It's not like acting, it, you are the gift. So today, remember that you are the gift. Jesus made you and he made you unique. So if opening your home to 50 people is what you wanna do, great. If walking around the park with one person is what you wanna do, great. If sending encouraging texts to people that you work with or from the church or you want to get in text loop and that's the limit, that's great. But remember as you practice hospitality that you are the gift because you are loved by Jesus and the people that you're doing it with and for and receiving it from, they are the gift. And everything else is just window dressing. All the, the food and the stuff, it's all just extra because you're loved by Jesus and they're loved by Jesus. So focus on that. And whatever plates, whatever the home looks like, anything else, all of it's just window dressing. It doesn't have to be perfect. Please, 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 right? Pella, we like to have it together. We, none of us have got it together. So let it, let it go. We're all broken. We all need Jesus. And let's just love each other and love people in our community and our surrounding communities because we want to be known as people who inclusively love and radically welcome, right? Right? Because that's Jesus. And if we're called to be his disciples, then we need to look like him. I've talked enough. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you are a God who has radically welcomed all of us into your family because you died and rose again. You did the most inconvenient thing. You left heaven to die for us. And we were all unprepared for it. And you didn't judge us because we were all broken. You didn't judge the disciples either. You died for them. And you made us who were unknown and enemies of God, as it says in Romans, you made us your friends and welcomed in your family because of that. So we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for your love for everybody. Help us now to be empowered, to love others radically, welcoming, open hearts, open minds, um, so that we can look like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.